Hey everyone, welcome back to episode 14 of the Roehampton Lawcast. And today I'm going to be joined with Rihanna. Rihanna, would you like to introduce yourself a little bit? Yes, yeah, sure. Um, hi everyone, my name is Rihanna Gurai. I'm a second year law student at Roehampton University and I am the Muting and Careers Officer. Brilliant. Thank you, Rihanna. Um, as you might have noticed throughout this episode, um, our usual co-host, Amy, is not here. Unfortunately, she couldn't make it today, but she should be back for next week's episode. Just a brief introduction. Can you just explain to our listeners what mooting is? So the basic premise of a moot is a court-style competition that simulates court hearings. They're usually appeals against final decisions. So what will happen is the competitors will get a problem and they will have to analyze this problem and the legal points and relevant law. So you have to have a written submission in the form of a skeleton argument, and then you will present them as an oral argument during the competition. So there's usually two grounds of appeal and they're argued by each side. So you have the appellant side who are against the final decision and the respondent side who are for the final decision. So in muting, the procedure imitates real life courts. So you have a judge and you have the muters. And then in a professional moot, you'd have a clerk who would announce the matter of the moot. So that's basically the legal issue that they are arguing for that day. And then the muters have their appearance and then they'll start presenting their submissions. So that's basically the basic premise of what a moot is. Brilliant. And on that note, have you ever have you ever done a moot before? My first moot was when I was 18, actually, and it was the University of Law moot. And I managed to get to the semifinals. And all of our questions were on contract cases. It was actually a very good experience for me. I got to see uh, different levels of advocacy because we had not only first years, but we had second year students. And then we had some PhD students as well. So my first meeting experience was with PhD students. So that was quite interesting. That is quite interesting. Absolutely. It must have been quite a lot of pressure, I imagine. It was quite scary, but I just took it as a learning experience because from a first year's perspective, you can see it's quite scary. It's like, there's so much reading to do. I have to have the right etiquette mm-hmm. and you don't know where to start. But seeing those PhD students, especially when they're against you, you kind of pick up on their mannerisms. And that was actually really helpful during the moot. So I had already experienced one, the first round, which luckily was against um, first year students. <laughs> the second round, when I was seeing the PhD students, I saw how they held themselves. And one of the interesting thing about moots is, and my first mooting teacher ever told me is, you're not allowed to move, apparently. Yes, yeah. So I, the- I remember when Sandy did an intro to mooting in my our first year at Roehampton, and she said the same thing. And I just sat there and I thought, if I can't move, what am I supposed to do with my hands? Because, <laughs> yes. you know, I'm quite quite an animated person, I'd say. I, I'd use my uh, hands a lot. But then she was just like, you have to hold them sort of like behind your back. Yes, I agree. I'm quite an animated person <laughs> as well. But the best advice I would give to people who use hand gestures a lot is one, have a cup of water by you. And that's actually a really good point. It helps you think. So sometimes when I'm speaking and I want to clarify the point in my own head, I take a sip of water and while I'm taking that sip, it gives me enough time to think about what I'm going to say and it helps calm the nerves as well. And when you're done, you can go on and speak. And also my second piece of advice is um, regarding the hand movements, everything, wiggle your toes. 
they can't see your feet. So wiggling your toes can actually help um, alleviate that need to move. And it's helped me so much. That is, that is, I'm going to keep that in mind. <laughs> but um, just a little bit of background on how I got into meeting was basically first year and the Law Society was doing their first event which was an intro to muting and that's where I, I saw Sandy and Sandy was explaining a bit of background about what muting is and, and what happens and then I had down the line me and Shamar who's the current president of the Law Society were preparing a moot to do against Kingston it was a friendly one but at the same time it was like the first time I think I'd ever realized how much work preparation goes into a moot because I remember sitting there and reading all these cases and you, you'd find these first year you do contract one and so the application of all of that when you're doing it it's actually so interesting because you keep thinking of how can I make this point and how can I back it up oh I the reading aspect of meeting has always fascinated me but I love research though that kind of helps and just reading through the cases it also helps solidify your own knowledge in the law because when we do coursework when you do written exams you focus more on just making sure you answer the question but mooting moves it to a whole other level it's like will that case be right to use in court is that precedent still allowed in courts today has there been any other changes in the precedent because while in coursework yes if there's changes in the precedent you need to mention it it's not really applied you're just giving advice in most coursework to the fictitious client Whereas in muting problems, it's it could be a problem that's actually being disputed in court right now. And you need to have all your facts straight for your claim to go through. Absolutely. 100%. One of the questions I actually had, uh, Rihanna, was since you have like an amazing expanse of muting experience, why do you think it's important? I think muting is important because people people tend to forget how analytical and research heavy law is due to tv shows like suits um, and those types of tv shows and it's quite easy just to say like oh objection and bring new evidence <laughs> muting brings it back to basics with students it reminds you there is court etiquette you have to call the other side your learned friends you have to address the judges correctly your ladyship your lordship but it also brings it back down to the fundamentals of advocacy, which is legal writing and legal research skills. Because for me to be successful, you need to know what's going on. You need to know what you're arguing. You need to know what points you're going to put forward. Because we've all been in that position sometimes in the debate where we're not really sure where our argument is going. And then we end up speaking faster. We start using more ums and ahs. We start to panic a little bit. And we want to eliminate that all because you want to be confident when you're in the courtroom. And mooting is a great starting point for university students because in your first year, you get taught how to do legal research, how to do legal writing. But you need to know how to use that legal writing and research when speaking. And mooting is a great opportunity for that because it's all legal based. Yeah. Instead of doing just debating, which is just arguing on a topic, mooting is specifically for the law students. Absolutely, I agree with that. Um, and actually, you answered my second question, which was <laughs> how how would it help me? But if you have um, mooting in itself, a lot of people tend to think it's only for if you're thinking to have a career at the bar. If you want to go on to just do advocacy, um, then I think law students have that misconception that that's the only reason that mooting would ever be beneficial. So in terms of like 
law students do you think everyone can get something out of mooting yes i agree there is a misconception that mooting is just for law but if you take examples um uh, michelle obama she has a law degree she didn't go into the law spectrum but she was the first lady and she was used she has used her experience in law to help her further in her life the number of projects that she has projects that she has done her law degree has actually helped that and just speaking in general muting can help you in any other facet so commercial awareness if you really want to boil it down to the fundamentals is reading and speaking and everyone can use practice in public speaking because even the most confident person can sometimes have pitfalls and you need to just remember calm down mm-hmm. you know what you're talking about you have experience yeah there's nothing to worry about when i first started uni i was not very confident um i was i was confident in my drafting and writing and emailing and everything but once it got to like public speaking I, my hands would shake my voice would shake i'd stutter i'd use fillers um, all the time like I'm an uh but overall when I joined the meeting when I joined the law society and then consequently the meeting team my confidence grew a lot more in terms of public speaking because you see all these people doing it and a lot of them are your peers or they're a year above you and you think oh if they can do it why, why can't I do it you know and I think public speaking is something that is really important to a law student regardless of whether you want to become a solicitor a barrister solicitor's solicitors advocate paralegal like in any spectrum of the law profession you're going to need public speaking I agree it's those transferable skills that are really important and that would be great for any law student that wants to put mooting on their cv on their linkedin because you're practicing those skills you're practicing speaking you're practicing data analysis you're practicing writing there's a whole list of things that mooting can bring and it will really shine through on your CV if you're able to put this on there because you can learn so much from mooting. Another question that I had actually. Let's say you go into the business sector and you become a director. You need to know how to talk to um, the other members of the board. Uh, was what if I have like no previous legal experience? For example, if I haven't t- taken law A-level, I have an internship at a law firm or I haven't actually had a brush with the how the practical side of the law works then how would I be able to take part because I know a lot of people have you know skepticism about how they can actually write a skeleton argument or if they'd be able to uh, understand when where they need to start their legal research what they need to do so what would you say to someone who's a bit not as confident to join the moot team because they don't feel they have the requisite skills I understand having very little or no legal experience can make it a bit difficult but there are so many facilities that can see like you just look up so when I first started mooting I actually went onto YouTube and I looked at some moots on there and saw how people acted how they spoke for their written advocacy and something that we do at Rohampton at uh, one point, I did my own little session on how to moot, and I showed up an example of some skeletons, some language that I would use as a mooter. I wouldn't be put off if you don't have legal experience because, and really, you just need those basics. You just need to know, okay, how do I find a legal problem? What is the legal issue? When you find the legal issue, you, you're pretty much set because now you know when you go on to 
websites like Westlaw, Lexus Library, I will put on, it's a contract issue. Is there a contract issue between a consumer and a business? Okay, I will look at the Consumer Rights Act. Is there a contract between business to business? Okay, are there any unfair terms? So do I have to turn to the Unfair Terms Act? Mm-hmm. Unfair Terms Contract Act. And once you get that basis... Yeah, and I think that just reiterates our the first mention of how mooting can be beneficial to you in any capacity. So all of that is just going to help you later on. In fact not in not just even in your professional career but like when thinking about courseworks and stuff it makes it very much easier to identify legal issues within your own problem questions that you get for coursework or essay writing um i think when i did the mooting last year it definitely did give me more of an analytical eye when i looked at my coursework subjects um, all my coursework assessments I definitely then went straight into and thought okay what's the issue or the issues and how can I what which legislation case law what what would what do I need to do to um, solve the issue or to back it up essentially so it, in that way it does it's really 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 ben- beneficial and plus you're never going to really know how much how much it's going to help you unless you give it a go so I'd always say let's step out of your comfort zone and just give it a go because in the end the worst you can get is to walk away with experience yes I agree fully with that there if I'm being honest there are no downsides to joining a moot because even if you don't win that particular case you get the judges for moots are highly experienced they give the best critiques and the best advice because they know that you want to improve they can see that you want to take that extra mile and really, really hone your advocacy skills. So you would leave a moot with so much knowledge and it will just really, it will just help you throughout your legal journey. Brilliant. And that leads on to about when is the best time to join? So I think currently we're coming towards the end of semester. Um, The Law Society still has couple of things planned in terms of muting so if you're interested I think you should definitely reach out as a careers and muting officer I guess you'd have a better answer than me (laughs) yes (laughs) I mean you answered that pretty well as well (laughs) so I would say for any first years that are listening right now uh, after the live moot that will be happening on the 9th of March so that's next week on Tuesday definitely drop me an email uh, I'll link it in the podcast description yes definitely uh, send me an email um, registering your interest because we do have we I would like to expand our meeting team and it's it's a good time to join because you've just finished the contract one module and you tend to get a lot of contract cases in meeting and also the legal practice I think Mm-hmm. Has, yes you've also done legal practice so you have a little bit of experience talking to a judge yeah so I, I would definitely say to register your interest after the live moot because you'll get a feel of how meeting is and then so we'll be having two teams so there are different positions that I'm thinking of setting up so there'll be a research team uh, an, an oral advocacy team so you can decide which area if you're not feeling ready because you want to get some more experience then you can join the research team which is just as important in the in the moot 
or if you feel like okay I've got research down I want to hone in on my skills in speaking then you can join the the oral advocacy team so that's kind of how I'm going to be setting up the moot team once we get more members as well brilliant and I'm gonna just quickly the moot signpost you to the Roehampton Lawstock um, website so if you go onto the RSU page you go on to societies and you click the Roehampton Law Society you can buy a membership there remember it is a requisite of joining the to have a membership of the law society so definitely do that as I said before I'm going to definitely put Brianna's email and the law society email into this description so you can drop either of those mailboxes a email in to register your interest for mooting and last but not least we're going to touch upon what we've got planned for the future so Rihanna you mentioned the live mooting on the 9th of March do you want to expand on that a little bit Yes, so the live mood that will be happening then, it's going to be a contract question. And this is mainly focusing on actions for damages and account of profits. So if you guys want to do a little bit of reading beforehand, so you have an idea on those two areas, so you know what we're talking about before you come to the moot, that would be great. And basically what's going to be happening is... Brilliant. Um, so Rihanna, if you could just give us a brief, sort of summary of the facts if you will um of what this this appeal is for okay yes so definitely so the appellant is michael woodhouse and the respondent is somerset designs so basically what has happened is mr woodhouse has purchased a home and he planned to fulfill his lifelong dream to have it styled in a 1930s art deco Mm -hmm. so he hired Somerset Designs to renovate this flat, who are a company that specializes in art deco work. He gave them a full specification on what work he wanted to be done and it cost 300,000 pounds. So once the work was finished, he noticed that the wall cabinets that he specified to be a specific color was actually a lighter shade of mahogany. So it would cost £35,000 to remedy. And because of this, so the reason why the mahogany was a lighter shade was because Somerset Designs had actually already purchased the correct shade, but they sold it to a third party company to make a profit of £7,000. Basically, they sort of messed him up a little bit, messed about. Yes. (laughs) Essentially. Pretty much. (laughs) So, in light of uh, these. um, Mistakes, I shall say. <laughs> uh, Mr. Woodhouse has brought an action against Somerset Designs for the £35,000 to remedy the cost of re- replacing the mahogany. Mm-hmm. And, and, uh, also, yeah, go on. and also brought an action for their counter profits, which is the £7,000 <laughs> Somerset Design had made for by selling the mahogany that should have been used on his house. Yeah, he's really he's really out for the entire money. Yes. Isn't he? <laughs> uh, where he, wherever he can he can um, get it out. Yeah. Of them. Rightly so, though I must say. Yes. Um, Dodgy also, work on their part. I'm being <laughs> honest. Yeah, and the I definitely recommend coming to this live moot, and it will be me and Rihanna, um, along with Irina and Alia, who will be joining us on Tuesday um, to re- represent the requisite arguments. But if you do want to hear more of us arguing on this um, very interesting piece 
of a very interesting scenario, then make sure to join us and Rihanna's going to tell you exactly how. Yes, so an email will be sent out by Maris either later today or tomorrow. And on that email, it will have a sign-up form. It's very important you you fill in that sign-up form with your university email, or then you won't be able to get the mooting question. And it is imperative that you read the question because we don't want you to sit in the live moot and have no clue what's going on. Because while it is quite a it seems like a numbers heavy question with how I explained it. The areas of law are quite interesting and you'll see that it's more of a question on whether the right damages were given or not and not the question of money in a sense. Like I said, it's a great intro into what mooting looks like and for any first years out there is going to be an amazing opportunity for you to see how a moot is structured and if it's something of interest to you even if it's the advocacy part maybe it might be a piece of legis- legislation or a piece of case law that you might be interested in that we discussed during the moot um, so you might want to join the research team it overall it would be a great experience um, and thank you so much Rihanna for joining me today uh, thank you so much for having me that's all for us today see you next time bye guys